What kind of trust do you need to follow someone into a river to pray? And let's stipulate that we're not talking about a river in Syracuse in February. That would require a deep belief in miracles. I really like today's anthem, and our choir did a wonderful job. This version today is slightly different from the ones I've heard before. I I can't remember if I ever heard this song prior to three years ago. I, I know it was in the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?, but I've only seen a handful of movies in the last 20 years that didn't include wizards or hobbits. (laughs) So I didn't hear it there. I found it when I started using Pandora. And everyone here may not be familiar with Pandora, so my brief explanation of it is that it's a smartphone app with music. But the interesting thing about it is that you first search for a type of music, let's say polka music. And they offer you one or more polka radio stations, that's what they call them. You start listening to one, and then comes the part that makes it different from traditional radio. You can press a thumbs up or thumbs down icon based on whether you like the song. Thumbs up, you'll hear the song regularly, and others like it. So you get a customized playlist. Thumbs down, you won't hear the song again, or at least you won't hear it for a long time. The first station I listened to that first year was Country Hymns Radio. It took a little while to get used to that station. I do not, they had a lot of theology I do not agree with, some of those songs. But they also sounded a lot like home. And when you're 1,400 miles away from home for the first time in your life, sometimes you just need to hear stuff that sounds like home. And I made good use of the thumbs up and thumbs down function. (laughs) Getting rid of the most egregious examples of penal substitutionary atonement, (laughs) which is as scary as it sounds. The belief that a gruesome death by crucifixion was necessary payment for a penalty that we all deserve because of original sin. I didn't want to listen to that. And I got rid of songs I just don't like. Jesus Take the Wheel, being the first one I think of. It's not even a hymn anyway. And that yay or nay function was crucial to my interest in this song, Down to the River. Back there in in the beginning, I could never remember which songs I had done thumbs up on. So in the beginning, every time one came on I liked, I was looking at my phone to see if I had already done thumbs up. And every time this song played and I looked at the screen, I always thought there was something a little off. And I finally realized what it was. If you look for this song on the internet, you will find that almost every version is titled Down to the River. But almost every version's lyrics are, as I went down, or when I went down in the river to pray. That is a much wetter experience. (laughs) I did a little research on the song. It's from the 1800s. The author is unknown, and the lyrics have changed from time to time. 
Some people think that it was originally about baptism, in which case, in the tradition of some Christian churches, going down in the river would make a lot more sense. And in addition to making more sense in that context, that is when this song becomes a song about trust. I don't know how many people here this morning have experienced baptism by full immersion. Statistically, probably very few. But I grew up Southern Baptist in a town full of Southern Baptist churches. And I've known hundreds of people who have experienced this kind of baptism, and I've seen quite a few of them. Regardless of whether one believes anything supernatural happens during the baptism, it is a unique experience which can be very affirming. When it's done inside a church with a built-in baptistry, people commonly change out of their normal clothing into a white robe or other loose-fitting garments. They walk into relatively deep water and allow someone, most often a minister, to lower them backwards into and under the water, hoping the baptizer will hold on to them and securely bring them back to the surface. And theology aside, there is a very real sense of surrender involved. The interaction can be an intimate and intense physical manifestation of trust. The only river baptism I've ever seen was the river at the River Jordan in Israel, which is about as calm and slow as a river can be and still be called a river. And some of you this morning may have thought of rivers during Time for All Ages that would be much more challenging to be dipped into. And while water plays a role in the rituals of many faiths, River currents, ocean currents, any large movement of water can be intimidating. Yet rivers have been used as a metaphor for life for millennia, maybe since we first started telling stories. Many creation stories, lots of them, begin with a vast expanse of water. Rivers represent life because they incessantly move from their origin to a destination where they cease to exist, at least as rivers. They are also like life because they constantly change, never the same from one moment to the next. Rivers and life can both be daunting. Surrendering to a flowing current, like trusting other people to keep you safe, can be frightening especially if one has ever suffered at the hands of people they trusted, if one has felt battered and bruised by social currents which seem beyond their control or even beyond their influence, if one has rarely or never known the saving power of unconditional acceptance, there are dangerous things out there. Rapids, slippery spots, unexpected holes you can step in, and... There is also vibrant, bountiful life out there in the middle of the river. It is the site of a process of creativity 
And this constant flow and interaction and change of a river is an image also found in one of the two theological lenses that I primarily use, process theology. I am particularly interested in the writings of Henry Nelson Wyman. He seems well suited to Unitarian Universalism for me because while his concepts can be superimposed on the theological framework and functions of traditional faiths which believe in the supernatural, he is very clear that he has no evidence of the supernatural and does not feel that it is necessary to believe in the supernatural in order to be religious. Now, this is my basic, this, this guy's majored in philosophy, so my, I'm using much smaller words than he did. My basic explanation of his core ideas, good or God or growth or spiritual ecstasy or whatever term works for you to express that which is greater than yourself, which you can surrender yourself to, exists in creativity, in creative interaction. Malice or evil or sin or whatever term works for you to express a lack of good or God is the absence of creativity, turning away from or holding yourself back from creative interaction. Now, the lack of interaction could be intentional. It could be due to fear. It could be due to a lot of things. And he's very clear that creative interaction isn't necessarily pleasant interaction. But it does need to be based on right intention, on entering the exchange wanting for all parties to grow. And within this framework, the fragmentation, isolation, and siloing we often find in our society today might be seen as evil. Social and spiritual growth requires relationship. Relationship requires, or at least it deeply needs, proximity. Now with today's, today's technology, the proximity doesn't necessarily have to be physical. But it still needs to be consistent and frequent. It is difficult to build a relationship with someone on the opposite riverbank who you only yell at occasionally or maybe never communicate with at all. I recently listened to an On Being podcast from October of 2018 where Krista Tippett's guests were Sally Cohn, a very liberal columnist, commentator, and community organizer, and Eric Erickson, a very conservative blogger and radio host who also happens to be in seminary right now. They are, both they are both deeply committed to engaging with people who disagree with them. Sally Cohn, who has been targeted by some of the worst trolls, not creatures living under a bridge, but people who post particularly vicious and inflammatory statements on social media, she talked about contacting her trolls and talking with them. She said that the first thing almost every one of them does at the beginning of the conversation is apologize. 
for what they wrote about her. After accepting their apology, she asked them why they wrote what they did. They talk about their, the circumstances of their lives and the lives of their families and communities and the desperation they sometimes feel. And they said they didn't think anybody was listening to them. They didn't think it mattered what they said if no one was listening. And Eric Erickson talked about how many times some of his very conservative evangelical Christian friends have discouraged him from meeting and interacting with liberals like Sally Cohn because he always ends up liking them. (laughs) And those friends think that dilutes his message, his political message. They both talked about how some of their ideas have changed and how much they have grown as a result of interactions with people who are not like them. Their conversation was about trust in the basic goodness of people. It was also about the process of being with others, interacting with the hope and expectation of growth and benefit for all parties. And as important as interaction is, there are, in fact, times when we need to rest on the riverbank or wade in the shallows. Wyman thought spiritual growth also requires some time alone to reflect and ponder. But he was clear that salvation, by which I mean deliverance from harm, ruin or loss, lies in creative interaction with others in the swift and sometimes turbulent current in the middle of the river of life. That is where God is, because the interaction is what creates God. And we don't need to swim alone. In the song that started this whole thought process, the narrator starts by saying, I went down in the river, but almost instantly invites people to join them. Sisters, brothers, mothers, fathers, preachers, teachers, pretty much everybody they're already in relation with, relationship with. They say, come on down. They clearly understand the value of being part of a community within the river. When we engage in healthy covenantal relationships, not in splendid self-righteous isolation like that found in some segregated neighborhoods or congregations or the digital echo chambers created by profit-driven algorithms in social media, but in the midst of the mishmash that is the wholeness of our geographic community, we infuse the river with love. We don't have to go down in the river. We can stand still. But we should not be under the illusion that nothing is changing. Everything always changes. Whenever it is not growing, whatever is not growing is inevitably decaying or degrading, even a solid rock in a placid stream. Or we can act, we can move, we can trust in the river. We can enter the lives of others with the understanding that we can learn and grow from knowing them, even if we don't like them. But only to the extent 
that we also allow them to enter our lives. Proximity matters. Authentic spiritual interaction means snuggling up close enough to smell the other person's theological odor. And some of those interactions will be unpleasant. And some will be unsettling. And some will be sad. Others will be exhilarating, breathtaking, and maybe even transformative. We don't get to pick and choose because they all happen in the same river. We can trust that the river contains community, people willing to spiritually hold us and emotionally support us and theologically nourish us to prepare us for whatever we encounter. It is community that creates buoyancy in the river. And the buoyancy just adds to the motion. And the more we move, the more we jostle one another, the more we stumble and catch each other, The more we talk and pray and sing and dance together, the more we surrender to the current and swim in the creativity that is God. The more we experience salvation in the process of being and growing in community, the more buoyant we become. I believe our hope is in the river because that is where the mission of our spiritual community lies, offering meaning and salvation to a hurting world. Look at the people around you. No, really, look at the people around you. (laughs) Who are they? Who is next to you? Trust that you will be fine in the river, in their company. Welcome to the water. Whether you wade in, or dive in, or even fall in, Know that you make the river more creative, more wonderful, and more holy by your presence. May it be so, and amen. Please rise as you are able in body or spirit to join in hymn number 210, Wade in the Water.